What is going on, Rotor Riders? Dean here at Steen78904. If you want to get all technical on me, we're talking, we're talking sports cards today. Rotor Riders dipping our feet today uh, in the sports card world. And uh, I will, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll dig into it. But uh, I'm not the person to be talking about sports cards in 2020. I have a lot of questions and I know who has some answers. Batting first, leading off. You may not know him by face, but you know him by his work behind the scenes. It's one, uh, it's Simon Edwards, uh, Rotor Riders producer. Simon, what's go- you're, you're giddy over there. I can see how excited you are because you're ready. We're going to have an unboxing, and uh, you've waited long enough. I think you waited all day. It came in the mail, and um, you've waited for the setup, and somehow you've uh, kept your, your hands off of the, the packs you want to open up today. I don't know why I said it plural because it's just one apparently, but uh, what's going on, Simon? How are, uh, how are things in your world? Hopefully you're staying safe, and uh, I know you're very excited to open up your, your Panini pack. Hey, I'm I'm definitely excited. I ordered these earlier in the week, and they they came pretty quick. Uh, we've got a uh, a box of Panini Optic Contenders that we're going to be opening up today. It's a 19, uh, I'm sorry, 2019 NFL pack. There, it's a uh, it's a box, but it uh, contains a pack in it. It's about a pack of six cards, and uh, these particular boxes uh, have on average two autographs, autograph cards in them, and and an insert. So we'll find out how lucky we get tonight. Can you wait an extra 15, 20, 25 minutes or so before you open it up? I, I know you're getting excited, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have a conversation first. We're also going to bring in uh, Mike Summer, also from, uh, from Wax Pack Hero, waxpackhero.com, also a podcast out there as well. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you're here because, uh, again, my background is uh, when I was really young, and as you can tell from this hideous uh, quarantine beard I'm growing over here, I use the term beard, uh, it's been a while, but uh, when I was young, like 11, 12, 13 years old, I was working like in the sports card industry, and I was actually you know, working in a card store, and I had my own table, and I was way into it, and I've not... Uh, I've been out of it for at least 20 years or so, and I have no idea what's going on. I've never heard of panini. I've heard that the sandwich is delicious. I don't know about the cards, but that I can. Uh, but apparently, panini has taken over the world when it comes to sports cards. That's kind of the uh, at the forefront. And I know. Uh, well, tell us about Wax Pack Hero, and tell us about your podcast before you dive into and talking about the you know the state of sports cards in 2020. Yeah, you know, this what you just said is the story that so many people have experienced and that is, you know, there's a lot of us who collected as kids in the 80s and 90s and then stepped away, you know, as we got older, got into high school or college and, you know, girls came into the picture or some other, you know, life started to happen. Um, but over the last several years, um, cards never went anywhere, but over the last several years, there's been more and more people who are starting to come back to cards. And some of that is for nostalgic purposes, um, but also more and more people are starting to see that there's actually um, some money to be made with cards right now. And it's it's not quite in the, the way that it used to be with all of the overproduction and the, the millions of cards that were being produced in the 80s and 90s. Things are a little bit different now. And so people are both having fun doing some things like they did when they were a kid. And they were also able to start to make a little bit of money. And that kind of mirrors my story too. I collected as a kid up through the mid to late nineties, but around 2015, I started to um, get back into it. And as I did that, I realized a lot had changed since the the eighties and nineties. And 
uh, luckily I was able to connect with the um, local hobby shop owner and he really taught me a lot about what had changed. But as I was doing it more and more, I realized there's more people like me that are out there. And so maybe I can help create a resource that they can use as they start to come back and get into the hobbies to help ease that transition back into collecting and figure out what's going on. And so that's when I started waxpackhero.com. Um, late 2017, early 2018. So I've, I've been going a little over two years now with the, um, with the blog and website. And then um, last winter, last fall, I'd had a chance to be a guest host on a couple other sports card podcasts last summer. The About the Card Show is the, is the main one that I had had a chance to hop on and thought maybe I can start my own podcast to kind of continue that, that path. And so my main objective with the podcast and the website is to balance both the hobby and the business sides of collecting, to show people how you can have a self-sustaining hobby, make a little extra money on the side um, to help out with things. And, and I just really enjoy, you know, helping other people figure it all out. Yeah. A couple follow-ups. Uh, one, do you remember like the, the finding moment, what kind of re-sparked your interest? And the second part is you're talking about like helping people like with their hobby and making a few extra bucks. Your specialty, right, is like the small, like the, the not thousand dollar price cards, but the cheaper ones where you can sort of turn over a whole bunch. Kind of speak to that. Yeah. So the the one thing that really sparked to it is I never got rid of my cards from when I was a kid. And so at, at one point in 2015 there, I had come across some of the cards that I had as a kid. And then I actually was on ESPN, I think, and stumbled across a banner ad for one of the online retailers. And it was around the Black Friday sales time and they had some deals going on. And so I said, well, maybe I'll order a few boxes. And I enjoyed this as a kid. And um, sure enough, I did. I think one of the first first boxes that I got was some um, Donruss basketball cards and ended up pulling a, a jersey card of LeBron James out of that first box that I opened. And that kind of helped spark my my interest of, of getting back into it as well. Um, and then, yeah, you know, there's there's cards that range all different price levels, you know, and I, I equate that a lot to the DFS world. You know, there's, there's buy-ins that are thousands of dollars a buy-in and there's the, the quarter jukebox or the, you know, the, the quarter arcade where you can be getting in and playing for a quarter. And the same thing exists in the sports card world. And um, I, a lot of my specialty is in the, the lower end of the market, you know, um, anywhere buying cards, anywhere from fractions of a penny up to a, a dollar, $5, $10, and then turn around and, and flipping those to generate some steady income. But there's a lot of other people out there um, who are buying cards for thousands of dollars and selling them for tens of thousands of dollars. And some of the packs like we're even, we're going to open tonight. You know, there's cards in the, in this set that we're going to look at tonight. There are cards that have sold within the last month for, um, one, two, three thousand dollars, and so there, there's money to be made at all ends, and that's one of the things I love about the sports card world is you can both treat it as a hobby and have fun with it, but there's also that financial side where if you put in the work and you learn what you need to learn and you you do some research, there's money to be made as well. Yeah, again, I'm totally naive to 2020 sports cards right now. I'm just kind of delving back in. Uh, you said a LeBron James jersey card. What does that mean? Does that mean like you send it in and you can get a jersey? Like I have no idea. Part of my naivete. 
Sure. And so that's that's one of the other things that it, that has changed so much since the 80s and 90s is one of the primary things that people chase or want to find in packs of cards now are cards that have been autographed by the players or cards that have a small piece of a jersey or a bat or a shoe or a helmet or some kind of relic from a game. And the, the player has worn that item um, or or touch that item or whatever you want to call it. And so these Jersey cards and these relic cards are some of the, the big chases that people try to get out of, out of the cards uh, or out of the packs these days. And the other thing that they've done that, that kind of differentiates cards from the eighties and nineties is add a level of scarcity. And so there are a lot of, of cards now that are serial numbered and they've got a, a kind of a foil serial numbered stamp right on the card that adds a little bit of a scarcity, everything from a card that might be one of 10,000 copies down to cards that are one of one. This is the only card in existence, you know, of that. And, and some of those are also some of the more sought after things that, that people are trying to get. And that adds a lot of value to, to the cards as well. All right, Simon, we didn't forget about you. And you didn't go ahead and open that pack without us, right? I assume it's still one opens. <laughs> it's still here, man. Tell me, tell me your story because your story is similar to mine, except you jumped back in recently and you're right. way ahead of me as far as your reboot, but you as well, you used to be weighing the cards when you were younger, yeah. fell out of it. Now you're back. What brought you back? Well, I collected, uh, like you in the late eighties, early nineties, I, uh, invested a lot of time and energy and money into collecting cards you know, thinking I was making some great investment. And then you fast forward to, you know, like the early uh, 2000s and, um, you know, like the, the cards hadn't appreciated in value. So I kind of gave up on the, uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the industry. And uh, in 2009, I started a company with, uh, with Don West. Uh, we worked together Yo, when man. I was at the, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was over at uh, TNA where he was a, he was a ring, uh, he was an announcer for the matches and you know we got to be friends and we started a company together uh which was an affiliate marketing company and we ended up selling uh selling sports collectibles on it and um uh we were selling a lot of uh a lot of you know like older wax packs and stuff like that like huge grab bags of all these variety of uh, wax packs you know donruss uh fleer tops upper deck all those old brands and you know they, they're still basically you know they, they weren't worth a lot so it was still you know like a like a lack of interest there was more you know like card companies trying to get rid of their inventory and fast forward to a couple weeks ago and uh, cam mentioned that we were thinking about uh, getting into sports sports cards content and you know when i when i heard that i basically like i laughed at him i'm like what are you what are we doing that for <laughs> And, and then he uh, introduced me to this uh, website called Sports Card Investor, uh, which has these great tools for, you know, kind of tracking, you know, like the, uh, the value of, uh, of, of these cards. And we started looking at the, uh, he started showing me the, the modern cards and, you know, how they've, uh, you know, the, the, the whole industry is consolidated. Like Panini took over uh, Don Russ and, and Score. And um, I believe... Upper Deck uh, took over Fleer. Is that is that is that right, Mike? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah So there's like uh, there's really um, consolidated to just a few companies left, and uh, 
those companies are are more focused on uh, on scarcity these days. Like Mike was mentioning, they have you know like uh, fewer cards in a pack, fewer packs in a box, and and those cards are you know they'll they'll do uh, variations of of certain cards that increase the scarcity even more. So like with this pack for instance, or with this box for instance, uh, they'll have you know several variations of a Kyler Murray uh, rookie card. You know, like, well, they'll have, you know, like a, a, a rookie card where they have, you know, like a silver version, a, a red version, a green version, a gold version. And each of those different, different color schemes has a, a higher scarcity uh, to like Mike was saying, like there's, there's one version in there that only has one card in existence. And that's yeah, you just, sent me a uh, cheat sheet. It's the gold vinyl, which is one of one. Is that is that is that what we're searching for? Like a Kyler yeah, Murray yeah. gold vinyl. We'll get a fun reaction out of you. Yeah, I believe so, man. If uh, if we get that, you know, I might have to run out of the house. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, rare cards now, and it's uh, it's it's definitely a different scene than it was in the in the late eighties, early nineties. And, um, it's definitely, uh, a, a, a lot more value out there. You look at some of the prices on cards these days, you can find a Giannis, you know, like 2013, um, Panini silver rookie card is selling for like 15 K and, um, you know, like more recently, like the Zion Panini, um, prism silver card is going for, you know, like three K I tried to, uh, try to buy it, Last week, I couldn't get the price that I wanted, and uh, you know, you fast forward a week later, it's worth a thousand dollars more than it, than what it was. What did so, Zion do in the last week? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, why would I, I move? Think, why would I move a thousand dollars in a week? Well, just out of curiosity. Yeah, um, just because, you know, like with all the uh, economic uncertainty, a lot of these uh, a lot of these more expensive cards had uh, had tumbled in price. So I think as things are, you know, like uh, becoming you know, like less uncertain, um, like the, uh, the value, you know, like the demand is coming back in and it's raising the, uh, the, the prices back up. Yeah. Mike, you'd say it's basically uh, where you tell me, is it like, it's like a sports stock market. Is that, is that like a fair way of saying it? Yeah. To, to some, to some extent that is the case, you know, people are, are putting down money with the anticipation that the, the cards are going to have an increasing demand. And as that demand has risen over the last few years, we've seen the prices rise along with that, you know, kind of across the board. And there's, there's that, that market, like I had mentioned before of more and more people coming back to the hobby. You've got new people entered. There's a, a Gary Vaynerchuk has started to talk about sports cards and get back into sports cards. And he's, really started to expose the the world of of flippers who are, who like to buy stuff and sell it for more shoe flippers um and and just flippers in general and so you've got some new entrants like that that are coming into the market are you a flipper uh i, I enjoy some garage sale flips from time to time that's, that's <laughs> that is true um and then the international market is continuing to grow too especially for nba cards and there is a, a big international nba market that has really started to to drive the values of of some of those cards higher. So I've been again I've been way out of this and I kind of like just prepping for the podcast. I want to do a little bit of research and uh, it's all a little bit overwhelming. Just like the, the concept of all these different kind of cards and yeah. like if you can just kind of give me like a step or two like ease me in like like what's an easy way to kind of like not be completely intimidated by you know what's the, the, the market looks like today 
when I'm coming at it from 1990 eyes. Yeah, I, th I think the biggest thing is to start doing some research and just start reading. Get plugged into some different resources, hobby resources out there that can help to start educate people or educate yourself on what has changed and what the lay of the land is. Um, the other thing that I always suggest to people to do is to start um, with a focus that is, is more narrow, right? And so start getting reacclimated by just focusing in on football or basketball um, or baseball, soccer, whatever it might be. Start with one sport and, and start to learn the ins and outs of that and research um, via eBay, research via sport, the sports card investor tool. Um, there's tools out there that can help acclimate you to what things are, how things have changed, um, what, what you might want to do. You know, I think, you know, like we talked about, there's autograph cards, there's Jersey cards, there's serial number cards. There's just still the regular old base card is, is kind of what the regular card is called. And there's people who enjoy collecting those and there's value to all of those at, at varying levels. And so just kind of start with a, a more narrow focus until you can get the lay of the land again and get, acclimated to to what has changed all right simon you know rotor grinders we're of course uh, delving into the world of sports card investing content and uh we've teamed up with sports card investor sci uh i know they have this market mover that i hear work you know i, I want to hear you talk about that more and of course if you guys want to uh get yourself a membership it's 25 percent off as far as a discount for your first month with sci uh tell me why i want this simon what's I know you were talking about it the pre-show, uh, the market mover. What does that mean? What does that do? How does that help me? Well, the market mover is a, uh, a tool that he's created that aggregates the, uh, the sales across eBay so that when you look up, when you look up a certain player, uh, you can see how his, how his cards are trending. You can also get general price movements of players or, or cards. I'm just doing a, a screen share here so I can kind of show what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, that shows which, which cards are trending up and which cards have had the, uh, the, the greatest increases in price over a certain period of time uh, or which cards, you know, like have had the, uh, the greatest decreases in price over a certain period of time. And as we're looking at it right now, you can see a lot of the cards that are trending right now are some older cards. We got, uh, you know, Reggie Miller. What did Reggie Miller? He called a good game in the like, big three or something. <laughs> it might be, it might it's be something new, with uh, nostalgia. Go ahead. Mike. It's the new documentary that's, that's coming out. This big uh, bulls documentary is driving a lot of interest, both in bulls players from that era, as well as some of the other stars of that era. John Stockton, Malone, like those guys, Clyde yep. Drexler. Yep. We were talking pre-show and you were telling me about uh, Jordan. There's, there's more demand for Jordan. And of course, Jordan hasn't done anything basketball wise in the last so many years, but uh, you know, uh, I, I guess and, and nostalgia always sells. People are very that nostalgic. They, they, they love it. And uh, you know, a lot of people like me and a lot of people like you guys, I'm sure remember collecting Jordan stuff. Like, that was fun. So let's do it again. And I guess that makes sense. Supply and demand. And I'm sure over the last 20 years, a lot of the demand has went away because people throw stuff out or it gets dinged and, you know, you move and you just got to forget it. So I guess there's less supply now, Mike. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, to some extent there is, you know, there is some, some less supply than there used to be. Although a lot of those cards that we collected as kids, there were so many of them that they're still pretty, they're still plentiful. Yeah. Star basketball, right? Wasn't that the Jordan, the star basketball? Is that, that's, that's the key, right? One that, of 5,000? The, the Fleer. Yep. The Fleer. I think didn't star basketball, they, they sold them in gas stations, if I remember correctly, like in team bags. Does that sound mm-hmm. correct to anybody? Does that sound yeah, they familiar? came in team sets. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm getting nostalgic. I had a Stockton team bag back in the day. That was good times for sure. Uh, what was your best card, Simon? Do you remember your, like, your feature card in your collection when you were younger? Oh, man. The, the feature card that I had at the time uh, was the uh, Mark McGuire 1984 Topps Olympic, uh, oh. Olympic team card. But I, I also had the, uh, the 89 Upper Deck Griffey card. Uh, but uh, I, I believe, like, and Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but... Uh, didn't didn't they find out that um, uh, there were a lot more of those cards that were printed than was suspected? Yeah, the the rumor is there's a documentary um, Jack of All Trades that came out last year, and the 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 producer of that, the star of that, went and talked with some folks that used to work at Upper Deck, and the story is that they were printing sheets and sheets of those Griffey Juniors. <laughs> Um, to to meet the demand, it wasn't as uh, as random or as uh, as spread out of a print run as as you might have thought that they were printing uh, running the printing presses. Now, Upper Decks never came out and admitted that officially, but um, that that's the story anyway. Prettiest card ever. It's yeah, it's a cool card. Ken Griffey Jr. Number one Upper Deck. I think it's. I mean, I'm sure you know what. I probably shouldn't say that because I haven't seen cards in like 25 years. It's <laughs> probably prettier cards. Oh, Prettiest yeah. card that I can remember is the Ken Griffey Jr. Number one. Yeah, I yeah mean, it's because, a fun one. It's it's yeah. well. It's not worth near as much as it was at the peak, but it's still a, a 25 to 30 dollar card a lot of times. Yeah. Is that I, all it is these days? Unbelievable. It's, you, mm. it's crazy, Dean, because you look at a, a Zion card. The guy's played, you know, like less than a year. And, you know, like his rookie card is selling for uh, two grand. And, and just to put it in perspective, I've got, you know, like the, uh, the Shaquille O'Neal uh, Fleer Ultra rookie card. I found it in my closet uh, the other day and I went to look it up and it was like, you know, like 10 bucks. <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that, that because insane. when I was younger, this is how much I was in the uh, sports cards when I was younger. Uh, you probably remember this Facebook card. Maybe you don't. The, the Nolan Ryan rookie card with like he was two people, mm-hmm. him and, Kuzman was it like it was yep. Kuzman on yep. there? Uh, I found that card just laying around in my closet. At the time, it was like a fifteen hundred dollar card. I have no idea what right. it is today. To be that's, fair, it was in terrible condition, but I just randomly found a Nolan, oh, Nolan Ryan rookie. That's interesting. Mike, that's, how about you? What's your? That uh, is a good one. A Nolan Ryan rookie is still a good one. Those those old vintage cards still have he'll still have a lot of value from the. 50s it was and so 60s. beat up. You can tell it was in my closet, just like for no particular reason. My Mike, what was your featured card or maybe a featured set that you're, like, you're most nostalgic for back in the day? My my most nostalgic set is not worth a lot, but it's the 1986 <laughs> top set. That was the the year that I started collecting. It has the black border on top, and um, that's the the set I'll always remember collecting. But probably a couple of the the ones that stood out to me is I had I obtained some of my uncle's football cards from the 60s, and so I had a, a 1969. Um, Brian Piccolo rookie, Gail Sayers rookie, Larry Zonka, some of those, some of those football players from the late 60s. And then 86 was a great year for football because that was a Jerry Rice rookie year. And so I had several of those Jerry Rice rookies um, from, from that first year I was collecting. 
you know what? I think I happen to have one right next to not, not, not the rice card, but hold on a second. You're going to see it. This makes for great internet television. I can find this a little bit quicker, but it's the green and white back. Look at this. Yep. That's it, right? That's that year. Yep. That's the 86 year. <laughs> oh, nice. yep. It's not Jerry. It's definitely not. It's William the refrigerator pairing. Yeah. That was one of my favorites <laughs> that year too, as a Bears fan, as you can oh, that's see right, here. Yeah. Right? You're a bear. No wonder you mentioned Piccolo and you mentioned Sayers. That was no coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> You can give me your address. I'll hook you up. You get the fridge. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, I mean, are we get Nancy here, uh, Simon, as far as opening our box, is there any more nostalgia we want to share? Anything else you want to say as far as the industry currently as is um, today? Or I think, I think we could probably just give a, a few different pointers on actually uh, investing in cards because it's, you know, like this is the probably the wrong way to do it. Is to buy, is to it's fun though, right? It's fun. These. Fun matters. It's it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, this is more an investment in fun um, than uh, than a sports card because it's 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 you're probably better in the long run to just find the card that you want and and buy it, you know, because uh, you you probably have to buy like um, you know like twenty of these boxes just to get you know like exactly what's your or not exactly what you're looking but even even close to what you're looking for. And, you know, like at, uh, at Roto-Grinders of the sports content that we're putting up, we're going to be putting up uh, a lot of, a lot of links to, that'll make it, make it easier for you to find the cards that, that you're looking for. Um, and, you know, like the best way to do it is basically um, eBay auctions or, you know, trying to find buy it now options on eBay that, that also offer, you know, like a, a, uh, best offer so that you can approach somebody who's selling a card for a certain price and say, you know, like, uh, offer them, you know, like a fraction of what they're looking for or whatever, and just kind of, you know, like see how, low, see how low is you that what you're get. saying? Yeah, pretty much. Just see, <laughs> just see, uh, how much you can get off the, uh, the, the price of the card. A lot of times people will, um, like highball, like when they're selling it, just try to sell it for like this ridiculous, prices and and you can you can definitely get them down on on those prices uh, a lot of the times and one of the things that you want to uh, focus on when you're buying those individual cards is is the um the graded cards because if you're finding a you know like a, a PSA 10 card a gem mint 10 card uh that's worth a lot more than uh than a card without a grade on it but also, you know, like if you're buying, if you're, if you're spending a significant amount of money on a card with no grade, you know, there's, there's no guarantee that that card's even worth anything. Cause, uh, if, if you end up getting a grade of, uh, you know, like a, you know, like less than, uh, less than a 10 or, or less than a nine, then it's pretty much, you know, you're going to have trouble, uh, selling the card in the, in the future for, uh, for a decent price. So it's always better to, um, to look for those uh, those graded cards if you're making a significant uh, investment in uh, in an individual card. Yeah, Mike, speak to that as far as the grades. I, I think Beckett does it, and I believe somebody else. There's two different companies that do the, the grading. There, yeah, there's three main companies right now. Um, PSA, Beckett, and SGC is the is kind of the third company that's kind of an up and comer. Um, they do a lot of the the grading. There's you know it, it helps both with with some assurance of the authenticity of cards as well as, as the grade and, and no company's perfect. You know, there's been um, questions about, you know, cards that slip through that, that maybe 
have some questionable grades on them or some questionable authenticity, but when they're handling millions of cards, um, you know, that's going to be something that comes up, but it is one of the um, things in the hobby that is, has really continued to drive some interest is, is grading. Um, that's not something that I do as much personally as far as sending cards in, but it is one of those things that gives you a little more confidence when you're buying. You know, one of my ideas or one of my tips is when you're looking for cards to buy, you want to be able to identify trends that are maybe unrecognized, things that are there's potential there that other people haven't quite picked up on yet. And, um, and so you can, you can do some of that yourself, like through looking at eBay sold listings and, and reading about what's, you know, who's up and coming from a prospect or a rookie perspective that maybe not all fans have, have picked up on yet. Um, but, um, sports card investor does a lot of that work for you too, and does some of that trend analysis and makes the identification of some of those trends a little bit easier as well. And so if that's the angle that you want to take, some of those tools at sports card investor are, are pretty helpful in identifying some of those trends. Yeah. You talk about featuring in a low to mid stakes as far as cards. Um, a couple of questions as far as getting them graded, I guess that they have to be a certain value to even make it worth the grading right? You're not going to get a $5 card or a $10 card or a $20 card grade, I would imagine. And secondly, you said there's three different companies that do it. Um, is there one that's like more liberal with their grading scale that you want to prefer? Like, is that, I mean, is or one that's more like, um, you know, you get a 10 from one person, that's more impressive than a 10 from somebody else. A 10, a 10 from, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, a 10 from Beckett is probably more valuable than a 10 from PSA. Uh, but, a t uh, you know, like a 9.5 from Beckett is worth significantly less, but it's also, if you get a 9.5 on a Beckett grade, then that's, you know, like could have been a 10 on a PSA. So it's kind of rolling the dice to get that 10 on Beckett, um, where it's probably safer to, to get that 10 on, uh, on PSA if you want to, if you want to roll the dice there. That sounds about right, Mike. Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, it's it's one of those things where there are are it, it goes back and forth, and sometimes it depends on the sport and depends on the card. It depends on the era. You know, some people like their old vintage cards from the '40s, '50s, and '60s to be one mm -hmm. brand, um, and like their modern cards to be from one of the other grading companies. Um, it really is just changing, and SGC has been one that that some of that pricing gap or the value gap has been been changing and coming up over the last few weeks as well. And so it really is kind of those big three um, players, but you're also right in that you don't want to just send in your random Joe blow card to get graded. It's not worth paying the 10 or $20 to get it graded. Uh, you really want to make sure that that card's um, worth a, a decent amount on their own or is a, a more unique or significant card on its own. Um, Cause otherwise it's, it's not worth the processing fee. Uh, besides eBay, you know, I, again, I hate to be nostalgic and be back in the day, back in my day, but like there used to be, you know, card shows and mm -hmm. sometimes there are card shows like in bowling alleys. Sometimes there are card shows in malls, like massive card shows that I partook in and like they had like a hundred, 150 dealers. Is that not a thing just yet? Has as, as the uh, industry gotten that, you know, ramp back up to Simon or Mike, either one of you guys, is that a yeah, thing? There was or a, just, no. 
Yeah, there's a period of time where card shows started to go away and they weren't near as popular or as big as they were back in the in the 80s and 90s. Now, the National Sports Collectors Convention has been going on, I think, since 1980, and it's still hugely attended every year. And the attendance has been growing and growing again over the last three to four years. It's been up every year. Um, more and more local shows are starting to pop back up, not near as big as they, as they have been in the past. I set up at a monthly, a small monthly local show that we've got here in central Illinois, and um, that's been a lot of fun. So there still is that in-person dynamic, but the online marketplaces dominate the game, you know, far and away because it's, you can be, you can buy cards all hours of night you know not just the once a month at that card show or whatever and so the online platforms are, are dominating right now yeah that's cool that uh you mentioned there's hobby shops as well too and maybe i'm not just not looking for them but i just assume like all like the baseball card you know football card uh, shops just kind of sort of went away and maybe they did and now there's there's a resurrection which is awesome that's pretty cool uh you said there's one in your area and it, i don't know if they feature just sports cards or it's like sports cards and like Sports cards and magic at it, it, it ours. There's, you know, mm-hmm. um, magic, the gathering's a, another big, a big draw. There's a couple in, in Nashville as well. I know um, that you might have to check out sometime, but yeah, they're not every town has them, you know, not like before it is every small, even small towns, you know, there'd be two or three card shops. Yeah. Um, they're, they're a little fewer and far between, but they're, um, they're still around. Simon, you got any more uh, overarching tips for the people out there watching before, or maybe you're just gonna, you're just getting giddy. You're getting antsy. You want to open up your, uh, your box there. No, I mean, um, you know, like just, just check out, keep an eye out on, uh, on Roto Grinders for our, you know, sports card content. We'll be putting out, you know, like a few videos a week and some articles um, and, uh, you know, giving, giving recommendations mostly based off of the, uh, the market mover tool that we're using. Don't forget to get your subscription there as well. Get the, the first month for 20% off. Uh, we'll have some um, uh, some links to to navigate to, to get that get that deal on our site and some promo codes eventually. But um, yeah, check that out for sure. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's open this let's open this box. All right, no more stalling. Without further ado, let's do it. Let's dive into a. Uh... A panini box for the NFL. A 2019. You know it better than me. 2019. What, what's it called here, Simon? Con- Contenders Optic. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back. Simon is in position. He's getting antsy. He's looking forward to opening this up. Before we fully dive in and open this up, Simon, just give it one second because I'm going to throw it to Mike. What are we? We're getting six cards. Six cards in this box. What is the breakdown? What are we expecting here as far as the six cards? Like there's uh, different versions, correct? Yeah. So this is contenders optic panini contenders optic. It's got kind of a, a shiny Chrome finish. There's that's one of the things people like about these cards is they've got kind of a shiny Chrome ish look and feel to them. Um, this box retails for about it, it released at about $130, but recently the demand is, has kind of climbed up. They're running about 170, $180 a box right now. And this box actually contains just six cards, but we should expect to see two autographs, um, two base cards, one insert card, and one at least one serial numbered parallel card. And you can you can find that on a lot of the informational websites on online, or as you, as he's kind of showing there, you can see on the back it gives some odds on what you might be able to expect. 
But really what we're, we're wanting to get from here is some of the rookie autographs, especially if we can find some of the rookie quarterback autographs. So the biggest of the big scores, I guess, will be Kyler Murray. Is that like the, the prize here? Kyler would be great. He's He's been uh, climbing both in the number of cards, the demand for his cards has been up, and the value of his cards have been have been climbing pretty well. The trade of Hopkins, I assume, probably raises uh, the value. I, I, that would make sense, right? That, Hopkins that, being one of the best receivers. The and, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you would think uh, if he's a good quarterback and he gets one of the best receivers in the league, you, you have to imagine that that would increase his stock for sure. So we were talking, and Simon, you can go. Did you take the cellophane off there, the, the wrapper? Yeah, let me do that. All right. Um, we were talking just a little bit off air, and you were mentioning how Brady is still, like, really expensive and sought after. And you were saying essentially because uh, he doesn't sign or he didn't sign for a long time. Are there any players, are the players obligated? Do some players hold out and say, no, I, I don't want to partake? Is there anybody that's not signing? There's, uh, There are people, um, especially once they're established vets, that start to sign less and less. A lot of the rookies, they kind of want to get that money right away, you know, as they're trying to work in their contracts. So the rookie autographs are usually a little more plentiful. Some of those veterans aren't. Julio Jones was notorious for having – uh, for not signing, even though he was supposed to have signed. And so he was one that there are a, a lack of Julio Jones autographs too. Yeah. I mean, I remember like put uh, the Honus Wagner card, the famous Honus Wagner card. That was allegedly one of two things, right? Either because he didn't want to, they were in cigarette packs. He didn't want him, he didn't want his car to be involved in cigarette packs. And I think uh, either at some point he was holding out for more money. It wasn't one of those two things. Does that sound correct to you guys? I'm making this up. Yeah, I've heard both. Yeah, um, he didn't want to help promote tobacco use, and then I've heard uh, there was money issues too. But I, and I don't know if, if I've ever heard an official or true confirmed story. But yeah, I've heard both those those theories. I think here's a D uh, a thirty for thirty short in this. That uh, now I want to check out one of those short documentaries. The ESPN, they, yep. not a, an hour long, but maybe like fifteen minutes or so. But all right, uh, Simon is diving in. Simon, what do you want? I know we talked about Murray being a prize card. Is that the card you want? Is there anything you're you're aiming for? Murray's the guy I'm looking for. Um, I'm a Miles Sanders fan too. I wouldn't mind getting some, uh, getting a Miles Sanders card. Any one of one would be great. Yeah, yeah, and basically like anything that's worth, uh, you know, like the price of the box would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about boxes like this. There's going to be cards in here that are worth thousands of dollars, or there's a chance that this box will be worth twenty dollars. You just right. never know. <laughs> All right, so we, got we got Tyrell Williams, Simon. Tyrell Williams, here we go. It's a pretty looking card. It's a nice card. It's a nice thick card. You see the thickness there? It's 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 um it's it's got like a like a good feel to it. Very quality. You can tell it's a quality uh material. I believe that's one of the base cards. Yep. Is that a dud? Is that a nice way of saying a dud? Yep. No, just kind of the standard set, you know, just <laughs> just cards that are in the standard set. You're you going to get at least a couple of those in there. We got a X's and O's. Would this be considered the uh, the insert card, Mike? I believe so. Okay. All right. So O for two. <laughs> Let's see. We got the Sony Michelle. No, that's a red. So is that serial numbered? Let's see. Yes, it is. It's uh, 91 of 199. I don't know if you can see okay. it on there or not. And red is the least rare. That's what I'm seeing. Is that correct? As far as, that was uh, as, far as the serial numbered cards, yep. 
Okay. That's that's the one that is most common. All right. Well, here's the uh, here's an autograph. Uh, DeAndre Walker. Okay. Soccer Soccer Dave might be excited about that one. <laughs> hey, you're in the right city to have this. You're based out of Nashville, so. One thing too, uh, I'll mention with. Uh, with the autographs is there's, there's two different types of uh, autograph card. There's the one with the autograph on the actual card, uh, which is worth more. Um, this is uh, one where it's, you know, it's been autographed on a sticker and just, just stuck on the card. So uh, not, not as valuable as an autograph on the card uh, from my understanding, but uh, just to, just to give you a little bit more detail on, uh, on what you're looking at here. Now, is that one serial numbered at all? Uh, this one is not serial numbered that I see. So yeah. that's kind of your your standard auto then. Yep, looks like that. Uh, what is this? Oh, oh that's oh, the second one. That's a redemption. Rookie of the year contenders, Nick Bosa. So we got to okay. play. Okay, so we got a good hit on this one. What does redemption mean? Like you have to mail it in or something? Yeah. Yeah, so some of the sometimes they the company does not get the autographs back from the player in time to get mm. them included in packs, and so they in, insert this redemption card, and so it will have a code there that you scratch off and enter in on the website, and um, when those cards are returned, then Panini will mail you that autographed card. That's yeah. that is a good hit. That is a good hit. That's a good hit. Yep. Okay. I mean, I know he was a top pick and all that, but I was just wondering if people generally probably lean toward offensive players over defensive players. But if you're going to get a defensive player, that seems like a good one. Now, um, Mike, I don't know if you can tell. Like, it says card number 19. Um, is there a way to tell, you know, like specifically, you know, like which color uh, we got? Like and and maybe like uh, get an idea of the scarcity. I wonder if that's uh... a lot of times it will say like if it's uh if it's one of the parallels it will all a lot of times say which one it is. Yeah. And so, rookie of the year contenders. Um, it looks like I, I the way that I understand it, I think. It's going to be at, at worst um, serial number to 125. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Like, so that, uh, you think that returns the value of the box right there? Uh, it should. It should. You know, like that's. Um, I would imagine it'd be you know like a Nick Bosa um, autograph card would be worth at least uh, you know like 150 bucks. But you you never know. It depends on uh, you know like um, how many were printed of this particular uh, version of the card. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, lot that goes into it. What do you think, Mike? Is that a reasonable guess? Yeah, I'd say somewhere between um, 50 and 100, probably. And then we Dalvin got Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook for the last one there. Now, okay, so you were talking about part of the regular set. The regular set doesn't – okay, wait. <laughs> when you buy sets, uh, these contender cards don't come with it, right? It's not a part of the standard set. Is that correct? Is that like these, you don't have to have all the contender cards in order to make a complete set. You wouldn't have to have all the autographs and everything like that to make a complete set. Um, sets, products like optic contenders are not one that set collectors typically go after. They'll go mm -hmm. after your more general Donruss set or your score set, something like that. 
that's that's made in a way that is is more set conducive right there's two or three hundred cards in those sets it covers a wider range of players there's only about a hundred different players um, in this contenders optics set and so it's really narrowed down it's more it's more driven off of people who are chasing those autographs um, it's not really built for people who want to build a whole set simon how happy are we scale one to ten yeah, pretty good. I give that about a, about a seven or an eight. Like I yeah. feel, I feel like a Nick Bosa autograph redemption is uh, is a pretty good score for for a for a first time opening. You know, like one of these boxes for sure. Number two pick in the draft. Yep. Yep. For sure. All right. Uh, I, you, and I know we're gonna do another video soon enough, and that you have another box on layaway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dean and I are doing a podcast uh, at some point next week with uh, with Don West, and you know, we're, uh, stay tuned for that one. We're going to be shooting the shit with him about about his uh, his past in the industry, and you know, like the uh, billion dollars worth of cards that he sold throughout his uh, throughout his career. Uh, Don was a legend, and uh, he had the same uh, reaction that uh, you and I had, Dean, when we heard. Uh, recently that uh, that cards were kind of uh, making a comeback he's like really you know so yeah you know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have an interesting uh, conversation with him for sure all right we appreciate you for joining us both simon and mike mike before you step aside and get out of here tell the people once again uh about wax pack hero uh, your podcast where they can find you on the inter- interwebs and all that good stuff yeah you can uh, follow me on twitter at the mike summer uh, check out waxpackhero.com and the podcast is the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. And I really, I really just focus in on helping people um, navigate this world of cards, figure out how to buy and sell cards in a way that lets them build their collection and generate a little extra money on the side. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, participating and and writing some content here at at RG for. Um, for the sports card stuff that we're going to be doing. And I would love for people to, to come follow me on Twitter and check out the website too. Simon, do you have anything to plug besides your, uh, your Bosa card that's coming in the mail at some point? No, just, uh, just uh, make sure to keep uh, checking out our, our updated content. Uh, you know, click on some of the uh, links that we're going to be putting up on searches on, on players that we're recommending and uh, be sure to check out that, uh, that discount on the uh, sports card investor site is a valuable resource and um, you know, getting 20% off. Uh, I think it's about a, um, a $49 uh, subscription, um, a $50 subscription. So that's like, that's like almost uh, $12 and 50 cents, give or take my, yeah. my UCF math. Does that sound correct? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds right to me, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that should be uh that's, that's a great resource. And uh, you know, the, the market is, uh, is, is coming back once you, uh, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this or watching this and you're, you know, like uh, uh you know, hearing about this for the first time, um, you know, these, these interesting cards that are uh, being printed uh, these days. And, uh, you know, you start going down the rabbit hole and checking out some of the, uh, the beautiful cards they got going on right now, then it's, uh, it's definitely a, uh, a fun, uh, fun rabbit hole to, uh, to travel down for sure. Yeah, it was a fun uh, nostalgia path for sure. For me, I have not talked about sports cards in a long time, but, uh, 
It was fun having the conversation. I appreciate Mike for joining us. I appreciate Simon for joining us. Like I said, or like Simon said, myself and Simon, as well as Don West, we do have a podcast coming up uh, sometime next week. We'll be going down the memory lane again with Don West. And Simon, once again, will be opening up one of his boxes at the – unless, of course, he can't wait the extra couple days. Who knows? He's going to be antsy. It's going to be good times. I presume he'll have one more box to open up. For Simon, for Mike, I'm Dean. Hope you all uh, enjoyed that, learned something. I know I did. That's it. We're out of here. Holler.